Salutations and shit, motherfuckers. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome, guys, to another episode of Travel and Shit. I am your host, D. Carrie, and you're listening to um, your new favorite travel podcast where we discuss more of the, you know, it's now that I've started doing the whole YouTube thing. I'm used to being in the studio and just not having to look at anything. And I realized that there's a camera right here in front of me, but I'm also just now adapting to just not having to look at things. Audience, appreciate you being here. So, uh, podcast, more about the experience of travel as opposed to the destination in travel. So, um, this is previously recorded, just uh, so I don't have to do an addendum, if you will. Corona, niggas is in the house. What's up? We're here, we're alive, all that jazz. I don't know when you're going to listen to this. You know, maybe one day someone listens to this in a binge and uh, three years post-corona, hopefully we're not hiding from zombies and the such. But uh, so if you hear any corona references, one plus one equals two. And that's the time we're in right now. So jump into the shits. I have a guest here with me today, digitally, because that is the way of the coronas. We are, everything is being done over the internet. and. Uh-huh. You gotta love these internets. So, <laughs> I guess, please introduce yourself to the peoples. Um, my name is Ty Roxton. Thank you for having me. And I am a storyteller, consultant, and speaker. I typically cover the topics of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And so, my job is to bridge cultural divides and advise people on how to do the same. So, here I am. So, here's a random question How did you become a professional in that? <laughs> I, I did what my best friend always says. I, I followed my curiosity. So for me, it, this is as much personal as it is professional. I am Nigerian. So if any Nigerians are in the audience, woo! That's a glow. Glow graphics. I love her whole, not just the aesthetic. I love her yeah. energy, but I also love her content. Yeah. Her, um, the videos that she does when she is like explaining things to her mom. It's the funniest, the absolute funniest shit in the world. So no, it oh, is. No, no, no. So so I was as Nigerian. I grew up in five countries and four continents. And the first nine years was spent in and out of two military dictatorship. And so you have the dictatorship, you have the growing up in five countries and four continents, and then you have an identity crisis. So I had initially an identity crisis because I couldn't figure out who I was in all these places, but. I also had the greatest education ever. It was, it was, I would never trade it for anything. I got exposed to the world at a very young age and figuring out how to find nuance and define yourself. And that was, was one of the, the most informative things in my life. And so I found that I was really curious about why people did the way things they did, how people could be their full selves. And while studying and writing about that, I realized that we spent most of our lives in schools or in the workplace, right? So what if... I could take what I had learned about finding myself and help other people create safe spaces to be themselves. And uh, so I, I started reaching out to people who I thought could open those doors in terms of, you know, HR and, and companies or deans or principals. And I said, hey, I've got an idea. Maybe you students will like it. Maybe your colleagues will like it. What do you think? And so little by little, I was chipping my way in there. And then people started to like the stuff. And I was like, okay, uh, it's all good. But it all started like, like you know, with a podcast. I launched a podcast in 2014. 
I started expressing all these things. And when I started to pitch to them, they would listen to some of the episodes and say, okay, we think you're good enough for this. Why don't you come in here? So that's so how I got started. You created your own job. Yes, I guess you could say so. <laughs> I uh, created the job out of my own passion. Yes. Nice. <laughs> so in terms of the identifying, what would the, because my question with the third culture kit was what's the third culture? Because I'm, and once we get through this, I can kind of, because I'm trying to compare it to my identifying as myself. Yeah. And because I'm trying to establish why being in so many places, or oh, maybe, no, that, you go ahead and explain it. See, I, that's a habit I have. <laughs> so, <laughs> so a third culture kid or TCK is basically anyone who spent the formative periods of their lives outside of the parents' culture. Right. So you think of army brats, you think of missionary kids, you know, diplomatic kids like I was, like I was, when you find yourself in and out of different countries and the three cultures typically are like your parents' culture, uh, the culture of the countries you've been in and the mix of all those things. And so third culture is the mix because there have been so many different things. Yeah. Yeah. Because some of the things that people would find would be like, (coughs) sorry, you have all these influences where you're like, okay, I am a little bit of this. I have a little bit of that, a little bit of that, that all turns into something. And that's the third one. So that it's, you know, it's, it's TCK and all that. And, that, when I found out that term, that was the impetus for me to start the podcast because I, I was always curious, but I didn't know how to focus what I was curious about yet. So I said, oh, there's a community of people that will understand what I'm saying without me having to explain. Because I would always, people would ask me, where are you from? I'd be like, well, I'm Nigerian. And they're like, no, you don't sound Nigerian. Well, well I, I am. I just grew up all these places. Like, no, but show me, prove it. And so when I, I found this community, I just started to really provide value for them. I will talk about every single thing, the, the things we dealt with, the ways that we could turn that into positivity, and then all these other things turned into this audience that I built. And then as I started to grow into that audience, it turned into diversity and, and inclusion. But uh, yeah, you know, that's how the, the TCK story began. But I think it's about really learning how to own your own identity. So I think that, because now I'm trying to, compare it to like what if well if you were an army grad you could still just be in a bunch of different places in the united states because i'm thinking sure. meet difference in being on so many different continents and in so many different countries like i've i still live in the neighborhood that i grew up in the mm-hmm. the furthest i've been from here was living in long island and i remember saying that i would never live in long island i'm like what i'm a Queens girl and you might move to long island like right here's a good mix this is enough you know, uh, suburb life for me while still having like city flavor to it. But I ended up moving to Long Island for school and then what? I can get sushi delivered? Like I can have time food delivered? You can get sushi delivered. Wow. <laughs> like now with the whole advent of seamless and whatnot. Story, yeah. But before that, I wouldn't trust any sushi that could be delivered to my neighborhood. Like, it was just like, <laughs> where are you from? Wait, who, who made this? Like, right in it? Like, no, nah, I'm good. I don't want to know this. So, yeah, when I was in Long Island, it was like, a, it wasn't like a culture shock or nothing like that, but it was just, oh, like, oh, nicer things at um, my disposal. But by then, I'd already had, like, I, this was my first apartment, so I'd had, like, my own identity, if you will. But yeah. in terms of when you... 
when did you think that you started being aware of how your identity was attached to where you were living or oh. like where you um I don't want to say we're, we're from, if that makes sense. Cause why well, I can tell you 2000 and 10 years old. Um, I was about to turn 11 at the time. Ouagadougou, Burkina Faso. That's a French speaking country in West Africa. So here I was this skinny Nigerian kid with a thick Nigerian accent in a French speaking country in an American international school going through puberty. Yeah. And so everybody in a place where everybody was different, I felt different, you know, that you, you could see people from different countries and you're like, Oh, instantly, you know that you're black, right? In Nigeria, most of the people are black, so you don't you, you think more in ethnicity, you know, or religion. But here you're like, oh no, it's it's not the ethnicity. It's you're you're black. But then I, I would see, you know, African Americans and then there'll be a clear difference because they sounded different from me and you know, it was just a difference with how they interacted. And I was coming from different culture for reference and I was 10. <laughs> and so I was like, Oh, so who am I? Like, what's happening here? Is this? <laughs> and I was and you were I didn't, like you, who do you choose to kind of identify with? Yeah. Because you're trying to be the last thing you want to do as a 10 year old in a new environment is to stick out. And so when the way you sounded and the food you ate was just pointed out all the time, you're like, what can I do? What can I do? And obviously I hadn't learned the ability to love myself yet and to figure that part out. So I was just like, ah, I feel so bad. And so that was the first time. And then, you know, that, that, you know, as creatives, you probably, you, you figured this out, you learn how to channel your pain into something. And so I would, I don't know, get into sports or write or do some of, some of those things. Uh, but it wasn't until I was 17 that I really became comfortable okay. with uh, expressing all, all sides of that. That was right before I came to America. I graduated from high school in Nigeria. I went to boarding school. And then when I was 17, I decided that I was not going to keep changing for other people because when I came back to Nigeria, I was now not Nigerian enough <laughs> because now they, they thought I was American. And I was like, oh, yeah, you sound different. And I was just like, what am I? I just went from trying to figure out how to fit in here. Now <laughs> you wouldn't even accept me, even though I am a Nigerian. And so I was like, oh. and so I, what I learned and what a lot of TCKs or third coach kids will learn is that it's, it's you, you can be from everywhere and nowhere at the same time. But you also have to accept that you are you can be multiple things and it's okay. Don't try and fit into everyone else because other people will have their own box that they want to put you in. And you will frustrate yourself if you try to put yourself in another person's box. So I became comfortable with who I am. If you've, you've attended some of my presentations, I, you know, I'm just whatever I say <laughs> or I'm doing, I'm just doing it because that's me, right? I'm just for my culture frame of reference, but I learned how to accept the, the goofy, the bad, the insecurities and all those things. And when you learn how to accept that, other people can't tell you anything. It's like, ah, okay. Well, I already knew that. So what? And? <laughs> my, but, my Spanish yeah. friends, like in New York, I guess a easy reference to that is like, for example, one of my homegirls is Dominican, but she was basically born and raised here. So like when she goes back to the see family, they're like, oh no, but you're American. Like, yeah, she's yeah. like, yeah. and she speaks like she speaks Spanish, like English is her second language. But yeah. and I have the friends that are, say, Colombian, Ecuadorian, or they don't or their parents just never taught them Spanish. Yeah. And then for me, the closest thing to that would have been going to high school, because until high school, I went to school with all black kids. Ooh. I So I think that 
as an American, because I remember in the presentation, there was one gentleman that was saying that he was unsure of how to basically sell his talents as a foreigner, if you will, against the American workforce competition. Right. I remember that. Yeah. And for me, the first time I felt like other, I wasn't, I was 14 already. So I feel like it, of course, on the, it, this is outside looking in, it's such a gift to be able to find that identity. I don't say crisis, but the concept of identity so much younger because you have more time to work. Oh, it was, first of all, I don't say it was definitely, I had an identity crisis. I'm not even going to, I always say that. So I, I did, but it is good. I, I'm with you. I didn't want to interrupt yet, but yeah. I definitely had an identity crisis at that age, but I think it helps. Because yeah. by the time I was 14, and then also it's a different type of identity. For me, it was just, um, not just, but it was mostly racial. It was like, oh, wow, okay, so white kids, wow, okay. So we're all, we all eat the same french fries for lunch, copy. This is what I assumed it would be like, but then it's just like, you have your friends also that now are from a different neighborhood because the school I went to was like in the same neighborhood I grew up in. So you not only had kids that looked like you, you basically had kids that somewhat grew up the same as you. Yeah. So it's like I lived in not a box because it's kind of like when you watch a white show on TV and they swear that they're diverse, but it's like all their diverse characters like, oh, so you have a redhead. Oh, now there's a blonde. There's a brunette girl with an accent, but ooh, where is she from? The different right. friend. But it's like <laughs> you know, a whole bunch of white kids that, you know, have both parents in the house and just, this is what the show is comprised of. So it was right. kind of getting to high school. By that point, you already kind of had an idea of what was normal and who you were. And then all of a sudden, whole nother change and it's a different comparison only because we still all spoke the same language we're still all from new york we're still all from middle class families we're still all like so many things were similar so i can envision damn what that would have been like to go through that much earlier yeah and it, by the way you're bringing up a great point it, you don't have to have even been from another country or anything everybody has their own that point in their life where they say, who am I going to be? Right. I often say life is about who you are and who you want to be. And then this basically life is basically the journey from going from that person, who you are to who you want to be. And along that road, you're going to come across peer pressure. You're going to come across expectations. You're going to come across people that, you know, you, your family or people that have, have put you in a box that you respect. And then you're dealing with like, should I, should I? And so for me, yes, at an early age, I was dealing with that at multiple intersections. Mm -hmm. But like you said, it, 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 you look back, it's a beautiful experience because it positioned me for what I, I'm doing today. And, you know, where you, you can appreciate culture from a multiple, you know, multiple lens. You know, I, I can talk to people from different backgrounds. Or I, I get, even if I make a mistake, I, I can figure out how to, you know, to come back or you just get used to, you know, to, to uh, <laughs> complexity. But I will always encourage anyone listening to do that hard work of really figuring out who they are and who they want to be, because that part is your own power, right? When you own yourself and you can do that, you're not going to let someone else tell you uh, what you can do or lower the bar for you. So TCK or not, I still say that's the first step. Where was the worst place you ever lived? Where like- where worst, pl worst place? I don't have a worst place. <laughs> I love all- <laughs> No, so, so, I mean, they're, what? No. So, Nigeria, heart, obviously, always has my heart. Mm -hmm. That's home. Um, 
Sweden is where my middle brother was born, Burkina Faso, where, where I was just talking to you about. Is, that's where my identity was formed. I started to figure out who I was going to be. You know, Vietnam exposed me to the world. Vietnam was, was a very interesting experience because that was the first time that I, I, we started to get followed. Uh, and we were getting followed because a lot of the, our neighbors, I guess, hadn't seen a lot of black people. And so they would, you know, they, would, they, they were fascinated. So whether it's one wanted to take a picture or say, that's rest in peace, Kobe. I know my dad would get called different names, but it was such a great country because of how friendly they were. But the reason why I said it exposed me to the world is because you start to realize that not everybody is exposed. Right. They, they, that was, we were different. <laughs> They're like, whoa, I've never seen a black person <laughs> <laughs> before. Like, is this, are you really, is this a thing? Look at my skin. And what? so, like, yeah, but, <laughs> yeah I'm, not, I'm not kidding. It was, it was, it was so interesting to see that because, you know, normally you're always conditioned if you follow this black person, like, whoa, whoa, what's happening? <laughs> but then you start saying like, oh no, they're they're like fascinated with like, oh, oh, yeah. okay, <laughs> and so and then the United States always felt like inevitable because of uh, the way the way that I'd grown up. But I I really I took something from every place. I mean, I don't have a worst. Like I'm sorry, I can't give that to you, D. <laughs> but I think that what's really cool about that is that most people don't get that experience until they start to travel as opposed to that was a way of life you know what i mean yeah yeah like, you can go an entire lifetime like you can live an entire developmental lifetime mm -hmm. if you, go. you can make for me i made it to 30 before i actually left the country and yeah. then it was just vacation because there's a huge difference between travel and vacation they're like they're not mutually exclusive. Did I say it the right way? Travel, that's gonna take me longer to think about. But essentially, travel doesn't have to just be <laughs> vacation. Travel is so much more. But I think yeah. that I started just vacationing. It was like, oh, got a week off. Where am I going? Where am I going? And then you go and you have you lay on the beach and you do this. And it's just like, all right, this was a great vacation. But then when you start to go more and you start to experience more, you, the difference, it clicks. But I think that it's really fascinating to see the difference between people who step into that and then people who kind of are brought up in that. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's true. It's true. So when, when you're brought up in that, you, you have to learn early. One of the things you, you, you learn quickly if you're brought up into that is you start getting used to the idea of maybe nothing being constant. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and, and I guess if, if you start to get into that later on, you, it's still, you're like, Oh, that's, change <laughs> and so for so, me the biggest thing <laughs> yeah do you feel more comfortable or do you find that you feel more comfortable in change versus yeah. um, stability if you will i'm i'm not i'm i've i've been able to find the good balance initially i was uncomfortable with change when i was younger and then i got comfortable with change and then it was uh i just got used to the idea that things won't always be there and then you know moving to new york i was like oh this is like okay this is my first intentional move new york was my first intentional move and I wanted to, to do it because it was, I'd gotten there. I just had a near death experience, which woke me up. And I said, you know what? I need to go somewhere where I feel like my energy is there. And to me, New York, like you described multicultural, but it's like my pace. This to me is stable yet uh, full of change, right? I, that's, so I found something where everything is always happening in New York, 
but then you can okay i'm going back to my apartment and right here so and then there's always change so i think i found that balance yes but, but i think the difference between those two is you one set of one group of people one set of people understands how to navigate change maybe a little bit more yeah. and and the other can be like right and i always tell people who are traveling for the first time not to take every not to use bad experiences to color the experience of that whole culture right i've, I've had friends who travel for the first time and something that bad happened and then they're like i hate all you know x country and and it, obviously those things are not fun to experience but i would just like to say that that's not a representation of the whole country you know it's it, you know and then uh but it, it obviously I, I understand why you know how that can be seen that way but it's not the representation what was the near-death experience like? That seems very extreme. Uh, yeah, it was extreme. It was uh, August 22, 2012. I was living in Virginia at the time. I definitely remember. I remember that day like it was yesterday. So I, I, was, I was driving at the time in my, my burgundy Toyota Camry. When I used to drive, I don't drive. I haven't driven in years. <laughs> you know, in New York City. And but, you now, it's like... Yeah. <laughs> but I was driving and, and um, I got to the part where the road merged into the highway. So I was cruising my lane, 16 miles an hour. And then I got to my, my lane and then all of a sudden my lane got cut in half. And this neighboring car had lost control, the tires. And so I was now swerving out of the way so I didn't get hit. And I smashed into left guardrail. Boom, one car, boom, two cars, boom, right guardrail, boom, left guardrail, boom. And then it hit it with such impact that the car lifts up. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm, you know, 22 at a time. Like, and the cliche thing, your life is flashing before your eyes. You're saying, is this, have I done? This is everything? I didn't right. even do anything I wanted to do. I was in a job I hated. And I was now about to die. That was what I was thinking. And, and, and I remember adrenaline was kicking in at the same time. So you, you hit the brakes, you slam the brakes. And I somehow got out of the car. And I got out of the car, two other cars were hit. My car was totaled, but I was unharmed. Right. I was like, Whoa, I, that, I, I don't know how I survived that. <laughs> and then I took that as a chance, just a second chance in life. And I said, okay. I was almost dead and I did, I would, the thing that came to mind was I hadn't done anything I said I was going to do. And I realized then that my fear was fear of failure. Mm. And right after that, it was fear of not achieving what I said I was going to do not being, not, not reaching my potential. So I, I quit my job shortly after that. Then I moved to New York city because New York city was the only city that I had visited. And I remember feeling an energy of possibility. And so didn't quite know what I was going to do. I, you, you said I built my career. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just knew that I didn't want to do what I was doing. <laughs> and I knew that I had a passion for different cultures and I had storytelling and things like that. But I didn't know that it was possible, <laughs> especially as, as, a, as someone that's not, not, a, not a citizen. And I was like, what can I do? So I moved here, started, I went, I was getting my MBA and I started my podcast and then the podcast helped me find my voice. And I started getting on stages and, and then that happened. But if I it didn't have that near-death experience, I don't know that I'll be here. So, yeah. How is that experience, the navigating as a non-citizen in a in a department? Because I know there's, of course, you know, like, do you consider yourself an expat? Considering how much you... I mean, I've never... I guess it's, I'm a different type of immigrant. I usually say immigrant. So if you're a non-citizen, the, the three ways to legally stay here, right? So it, it's school, marriage, or work. Ooh. So... I came here on a student visa in 2007. Then when you graduate, you have a year. It's called OPT to 
find the job or a company to sponsor you. Mm -hmm. And the thing with that is that there are very few visas. It's a lottery, essentially. So you have to first find the job. You have to convince them to sponsor you. And then they, you pay like $5,000 yeah, right around that. And then you might not get the visa because so you have to pay for somebody to, yeah, the company can pay or you, you, I mean, most of the times the company I've, in my case, they made me pay because my, the company I was working for was cheap and they're like, no, we don't really know anything. So you send us the money, but we'll send the check. So I had to figure that out. Uh, but, a lot of times, if you're with a you know good company that's reputable, they'll 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 pay for it. Um, but yeah, in my case, I paid. So then you pay, and then you you're figuring it out. It's called an H-1B. Then you might not get in because it's I think maybe there are I don't know hundred thousand or hundred twenty thousand. I I don't remember the number. And there are five times the amount who are applying to get that. <laughs> and so only those are available. So it really depends. Luckily, I got that the first time. And so, you're not, I was now at a position where, you know, you, you're wondering if, hey, shouldn't you be, you know, you got the visa. So why, are you, why do you want more? You know, you're already here, right? So, but the thing was, I was in a job that I wasn't growing and I wasn't being fulfilled. And so I took the risk after the accident of coming down in my, in my, in my status. And so, like I said, school, marriage or work. So went back to school. I went to get my MBA. And so I went from a work visa down to a student visa again. And while I was getting my student visa, I knew that I didn't want to get a visa that tied me to one company because I didn't know if I was going to like what I was doing. The only problem with that is that you can't really have that choice because it's like, what are you doing? You just pick, pick a company. Uh, but I was something in, something in me said, nah, you know, if you have to go back home, that's fine. If you go back to Nigeria, that's fine. But you don't want to be tied to a company that you're not doing what you want to do. And I remember I was doing a photo shoot for uh, the podcast or uh, some, you know, magazine. Someone was talking to me about TCK. Someone had found my story and they, they thought it would be interesting for a magazine. And she just casually mentioned, hey, have you thought about this uh, O-1 visa? And I'd never heard of it before. The only time I heard was that H-1 visa that tied you to a company. And I said, no. And she said, well, I have a lawyer. She does this. And so she introduced me to the lawyer. I went and the O-1 visa for those listening is, it's, this is how they classify it. A visa for aliens with extraordinary ability. Oh. So you have to have oh, special. Yeah, you have to have a special talent. Okay. Yeah. Or if you're an actor, right? Or you're a singer, yeah, you're an entertainer. I've heard of it before. Yeah, yeah. So if you're any of those ones, because, you know, if, that's why you see a lot of, you know, a lot of the British or Australia, anyone usually have those type of visas. Maybe. And then, yeah. But, but I wasn't an actor or any of that. So I was like, oh, okay. So, and if you're not an actor, then you have to have done something extraordinary, like a Nobel Peace Prize or something like that. And so I went to my previous lawyer. He said, no, you have no shot. Like, you just, just, you just can't get it. <laughs> you're, not, you're not there yet. And, and then uh, I was like, okay, I'm going to try it with someone else. And then the, the lawyer that my friend recommended said, look, maybe, but you're going to need something stronger because I just started my company. So they're just like, hey, you only have a podcast. Um, right around that time, my mentor was starting his own company. He said, hey, I've been seeing what you're doing with your personal brand. Uh, I think there could be a fit here. So I was like, okay, cool. I can maybe marry these two things. He was saying, maybe we can bring something there. I was like, okay, cool. And it will also work out for my visa because my lawyer just said, if you can get another job, 
that will supplement your thing because then it, it, it's more, I guess, legit to the government because you're just starting out. They can't really verify. It. And so he, they agreed. It was a very long process. This one was more expensive than the, than the H1B. Was, I don't know, it was close to 7,000 or something. I was like, like, every salary I get, I was like, <laughs> put it in there. <laughs> and then, I was, and then um, again, you don't know if you're going to get it. Except this one is not a lottery. It's just they are going through their, their, their three criteria you have to meet out of, I think, seven. And they're going through everything. They're verifying it. This was the longest six months uh, of my life. And then I was just, I'll be walking down the streets. I'll be going to work. But in the back of my head, I'll be thinking, am I really going to be here? I don't know. No one's here. And then eventually I got the email and they said, we're pleased to inform you that you, you qualify for the visa. And I was like, oh. And then you, you fill that in. But that's the life of an immigrant that's not from uh, the country. You're constantly dealing with those things. But yeah, so they gave me that. And so now I'm on what you call the O-1 visa. And it's been based on my, um, my this, uh, me being an author, a speaker, and, and uh, um, someone that has provided value here. But when I first started, I didn't, have, I didn't have any TEDx talk or any of that. I just had the podcast. And so now we're here. Thinking this is all sounding like reality TV. Also, and because one of my favorite shits is 90 fucking day fiance. Oh, so you know, you, yeah, you know. <laughs> no. no. Stories in there. But I mean, they, I just think that it's very fast. I love a story. I'm just enamored with stories in general. So I think that that's part of why I like 90 Day Fiance. It's because like I enjoy listening and watching, of course, these people's stories. But I feel that as someone who is not like a famous celebrity, you're a regular person, but you're yeah. still, the government thinks you're fucking extraordinary, bro. Like they gave you the visa that says you're special. So I'm just saying. I mean, it's a, yeah, not, no. <laughs> You could even produce this yourself. I know. <laughs> I, I will say one of the things that I that does bother me in the election when people are talking about immigration is I don't think people understand the immigration. They think of it more as a just, oh, it's the border. It's, it's all that. But it's more than that. Like, I, there are multiple levels. I, you know, I'm going through several things. And you, 90 Day Fiance is not, you know, the marriage fiance. All this. There are so many levels. And if you don't watch it, people don't understand how hard it is because it is, it's, if you think of the DMV or the Odyssey Bull, like the way it's red tape, it, that's what's happening. It, it's, they're understaffed, right? And you, they, you, you, you don't always get the answer. And sometimes when you get the answer, it's a yes or no, right? So you don't know what's in between. So you're like, uh, wait, 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 should I prepare? What's happening? Okay, if, if, you don't, if you don't get a no, then it's three weeks to leave the country maybe. Or, you know, so it's always. And you got to be going that quick? Yeah, yeah. One of my friends wasn't, uh, she couldn't get, she didn't get the visa. She got denied. And so she had three weeks. They said three weeks or you'll be deported and you won't be able to come back to the country. Appeal it. Like they don't even give you like a... Nice there, can, there can be an appeal, but then it's, there are moments where the, your lawyer will tell you, you're not going to win this appeal. Like this is not... <laughs> so the best thing would be, this is what they'll tell you, go back home, apply again in a year or something like that. That's what they will, they will, they, you know, they'll always say. Um, because then you, you keep it safe because you don't want to have that strike against you where you're, they say you're deported because then yeah. you're not going to come back. Um, so yeah, it's a very, very complex part. And then expensive, expensive, ex 
very, I cannot stress that enough. It is so expensive for maybe getting into the country. <laughs> I guarantee it's a, we'll think about it. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, you always have to be on your toes. Yeah, so. and that also just makes navigating regular life shit very difficult in terms of like, yeah. am I going to do a year lease? Like if I apply for this visa and then I don't get it, like- You feel me? Yeah. Anything from relationships to lease. Credit. Exactly. Like, it was like, ah, oh, she's mad cool, but bruh, I could be out. That was a movie. What was the movie? Um, Something Sun. Was it the one with Yara Shahidi? I think it was the one with Yara Shahidi. If, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, that was the one. I read the book. I read the book. Okay. But that's exactly what it was. The movie. Yeah, that shit was good. It was, they did it very well. It was very cute. I enjoyed it. But little nuances, life nuances, a lot of people don't necessarily consider. And my yeah. question for you is, how do you travel? Considering that it was part of your normal, like, like, what was the shortest amount of time actually that you've ever spent in one place? Uh, shortest amount was two years. I think that was Sweden. I was too young to remember, but yeah, it was two years. Um, but yeah, Sweden would be the shortest. Yeah. Okay. So, so two years, you can't really, I mean, you can, you can, depending on what stage you are in life, you can form incredible yeah. friendships, incredible, incredible. Yeah. And like, if you're nine, you could have kept the same friend from nine. <laughs> or if you're 14 and you're there for two years, you could make yeah. friends even if you're just in like one high school for two years. So that makes sense. But how do you yeah. travel now considering your experience already? That's a good question. So I travel for different, I travel for work, I travel for experiences, uh, I travel to see new, new things. A lot of times it's, 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 it's work related, but I like to understand the places I, I, I go to. So I've been doing a lot of local travel here in the United States because there's a lot of diversity here. And so when I get a speaking engagement, so yeah, I usually go a day before or okay. so. Yeah, it's just so you can take in the environment. The last place I traveled to before all this craziness happened was Cleveland. And I'd never been to Cleveland. Yeah, and so I was like, okay, Cleveland, this is, this is you know, you know, I'm a huge LeBron fan, right? So I was like, all right, this is this is good. So I get, I, whatever, I look, LeBron's good. I just don't know the sports. I I've heard of basketball. <laughs> I know who the man is. I couldn't tell you what, what he played, like the team that he played for. Yeah. No. So he used to play for Cleveland for a big part of his career. He's from Ohio, Akron, Ohio. And so you, you take in those things, you go in a day before, you try and have the ambience, and then, um, you know, you, get, you bake in enough time to rehearse and, and all that. And so that's what I normally, normally would do. And so it's always also a good way for me to have a good peace of mind before I'm speaking, right? You, it's just like you, it keeps you, you calm, calming down. You the space before you address yeah. Yeah. where they're at. Yeah. That's typically how I travel. And then you obviously have different ways to connect you or through food, music, sports, right? Those are, those are some of those ways that you, you try the restaurant. I, one of the things I love doing is talking to the Lyft or Uber driver on the way there because, hey, yeah. That, yeah. I'm doing that also because, Loki, I feel like sometimes they, I always go for the cheap route. So I always go the, the pool. And yeah, of course. Me too. <laughs> I go up in the front seat and then just start kicking it with the driver. And just start talking and talking. That was the first time I had, I'm going to fuck up saying it. What is it? Um, the country that you said you were in, Burna, Burkina Faso? Burkina Faso, Burkina Faso. That was the first time I'd heard of the country when I was talking to my Uber driver. And what yeah. was weird, not weird, but it, and we were talking, he was from, he was telling me about it, blah, 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 and he came over and I had just done my ancestry DNA and I was telling him some of the different places that it said that I was from. And one of the places is Ivory Coast. And he was saying, oh, it's not far from where I'm from. 
And then we started talking and chopping it up. I'm like, yo, I really want to fucking go visit now. So if I go to Ivory Coast, I'm definitely going to hop over and then dabble my little toes over there. That's Absolutely. Ivory Coast, Cote d'Ivoire. Yeah, that, we've only been to the, the airport. But that, that was, that's so fun, though. But I love that you did that because the things, the thing that you find with a lot of Lyft drivers, Uber drivers, taxi drivers is they are immigrants themselves, many of them, right? Even if the ones that are not immigrants, you find different conversations, especially if they're local, they'll tell you that. But I, I've had a lot of experiences with immigrants who will tell you their experience and their experience in the city. So they have a different perspective from what you read on the map. You know, okay, well, when I come here, this is where you get this spot. So this is where you get this spot. Because they're always curious. I'm like, oh, where are you coming from? Like, oh, I'm coming from New York. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, have you tried this? You should try that. And, you know, that's what happened to me in Denver when I went to Denver for, for my book tour. You know, the, 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 the cab driver ended up actually showing up to my book tour. Because she's, yeah, she's like, yo, because she, 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 she was an immigrant. She's like, yo, I really find the story interesting. And mm-hmm. you're talking about that. And so I'm going to show her. I was like, I, I didn't believe her. Because it was a pool. And we were all in the car. I thought she was being friendly. But she showed up. I was like, oh. <laughs> she actually came and bought the book. And she said, yo, I really, that's the thing. And so, but then I got to see different experiences. And then the locals took me out there. But I really take advantage of those conversations. Uh, I don't think we have enough. Yeah. That's making me think of some of the really funny ones. I remember one of the last ones I took, this one guy <laughs> was like, okay, so like we're friends now. So, you know, take my number, take my number. And so then just call me and then we could definitely hang out. Cause like we definitely, cause we were, I was saying that, you know, I don't really go out often. And so I'm really glad that I had like, you know, a good time with my friends. I should do it more often or whatever. He's like, well, we're basically best friends now. So here's my number. Next time you go out, you know, take my number and then you can help me find a girlfriend so that like, I, like, cause his parents apparently were like pressuring him. Like people get into their fucking life so Oh my goodness, yes. Apparently I'm supposed to, sorry to this man, cause I'm supposed to help him find a girl so that like, oh, if we go out, you know, like you can help me find someone. And then it's like, yeah, I got you bro. <laughs> Not a problem. Like I already said yes to something like two weeks in advance. I got your number. I'm gonna call you. I'd never called the man. But it's, there's something about the connection you can make with someone in such a short period of time. Yes. If you open, because I think it's that level of, I'm never going to see this person again. You can just kind of let your guard down and you just share and you talk and you discuss and you find that there are things you have in common. There are things that you have that you don't have in common that are just really interesting and you learn something from a different person. So D, you brought up a great point. You asked earlier what is the difference? You know, when you grow up the way I did, how, what do you learn quickly? You learn how to make friends in short amount of times and you learn how to do it from a distance. So like a lot of this, I'm used to having virtual friends, but I haven't seen um, my parents physically <laughs> since I think in maybe three, four years now, but we are all, I know, but the thing is because they're Nigeria, right? And, and so we're, we're here and what we do is we have a WhatsApp group, we have video calls and all that. But so I've been doing I went to school with people that are most of them in England now or Nigeria and all that. And so when I, when you're moving, you're moving and you're saying, okay, I know, I know what to look for. I know what I like. I know how to connect. This is how we keep, keep in touch. You keep in touch through, it used to be pen pals, emails, AL, Gmail, before Gmail, Yahoo and all that messenger. And so you just learn quickly how to, to do that. And you learn how, okay, this is not for me. This is for me. So yeah. when those cab conversations happen, it's just like, oh, okay, quick. I, I see what you're saying. I hear you. And so it's a very big habit. It can be good and bad, by the way, because sometimes if you're, 
for me, I, I, I think it's good, but I've also seen it sometimes when you're, whether it's in a dating relationship or with someone else, someone else who's used to taking the time can take offense to that, which I understand, right? It's the way you grew up and they're like, wait, we didn't, how did, why are you asking me? It's so deep already. What do you mean? Look, give me, I need, you know, so I understand the whole thing. I understand all sides. <laughs> so it's something that you, I, I have, sometimes I remind myself, just you remind, remind, remember, remember, not everybody pick the audience, right? <laughs> Don't know, <laughs> do that. So, yeah. Interesting. Damn, there's so many different, cause that's kind of like your internet friends, right? Yeah. In terms of the culture of, social media because i'm 34 so i'm thinking back to when internet was new and you had mm. chat rooms age sex location so then you're you're used to making friends that you're in the same classroom with for seven eight hours and like these are your only friends and now you're able to then i remember we had pen pals so you yeah you pen pals, that yes. little friend that lives <laughs> the teacher set it up so that you give your letter in and they send you a yeah. shape, whatever and then internet. So now we're like, oh, this is like the pen pal shit. Word, I can do this. Type and you type, and then you make all these digital friends. And now I'm seeing some of the people that I meet online. I end up having such a better connection with. I have a better um, friend, like a like a friend base in some cases. And then also. Depends on like your personality, whether or not you're a go out kind of person, whether or not you're a stay in kind of person, like a your level of social adaptivity or whatever. Yeah. But I have some incredible friends that I've met online from different like people that I followed other creatives yeah, well, yeah. on Twitter, and then we followed over to Facebook, and now on Instagram. It's like oh, I remember when you were still you know painting canvas, and now look at you like you're a professional muralist or something like that, or you're tricking yeah, out yeah. you know bakery shops on wheels and like dumb shit like that. Well, not dumb shit. Shit was fly. She did a great job. Shout out to <laughs> But I really think that that's kind of how, and now that I'm rambling, I'm thinking of the friends that I make when I travel because I tend to, like I book all of my excursions and shout out mm -hmm. to Airbnb. They don't necessarily, in some places they do it and then other places they don't, but they will do like a, a solo fee where if yeah. you're solo, they charge you more to do the experience if there's nobody else that books with you. But I've made some of like the best friends I've had with different hosts and people that I've booked experiences with. And it's like, you're friends for a day. But then it's like years later, you're still checking in. You do That's live and then this person hops and you're like, yo, Yusef was popping. Like he was my driver in Qatar. And I'm just like, and we still, you know what I mean? Of course. Like, I love Yeah, because then you then you know, like if you if you then need something, you're traveling somewhere else, you're like, hey, I know someone that goes there and it's just it's just there. And I think um it's it's interesting. I what's happening right now with COVID nineteen is I you know, it's this is this, I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. <laughs> but but I the other side of it is I think it's forcing us to figure out how to connect. Because I know for a lot of the extroverts, right? They, I know they're. This is crazy for them, right? It's, it's, and 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 I and I, you know, you you sympathize, you understand that when you're not able to have that human connection. But what's happening with work now is you have to find a way to connect. How can you do that through Zoom or through this? You said you used to having a live audience. Now you're like, okay, well, I'm, I'll create a podcast, but I'll make it virtual. And I think people are learning how to 
really figure out what it is that they like to have in their friends and in their values, and they have to start to look for it and investigate that virtually, which can be good for us. I mean, I don't know what's going to happen with this virus, but I think that's a good exercise to be able to remind yourself of what your values are and what you like to see in, 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 your, in your friends. So Also, it forces you to like just stop and listen because you're not allowed to distract yourself with the same noise that you're used to. For those of us that are fortunate enough to be able to either work from home or still stay employed without having to go into the workforce, yeah. like you're stuck. So you're kind of like, all right, so what actually matters to me? I, you know, took that for advantage. Um, I took that for granted. Or I am used to being able to have this on demand that when I feel like I'm now it's kind of like you're rationing, like I got to ration fucking chips just because like I, I'm not going to the grocery store and I don't want to send my dad to the grocery store. And it's like, all right, shit. All right. So don't eat all your snacks in three days. (laughs) (laughs) Or now it's just like, there's now food in the house is like move. I generally eat my money. Like, I'm all right, lunch here. And now that I'm not at work, so it's like, all right, fine, I'm not spending on lunch. But then also, I don't want to spend on takeout here. So for me, I've had to kind of just, there's food in the freezer, take it out, cook it. Cook it. (laughs) How about that? You can have wings. You don't have to order wings. So it's kind of like, I found that I even cooked on the last trip. I was in Guadalupe in January. And I wasn't a fan of the like the restaurant that I could walk to the easiest without getting lost. I could have ventured out further, but then my service was trash. So I, I have a shit sense of direction. So I would have guaranteed that I'd gotten lost. Yeah. And every day, fine, get lost. It is what it is. Figure it out. But I wasn't hungry till like five and then it would be dark. But I cooked a lot more. And that kind of doing that little bit of something that was out of the norm for me it like opened me up to all right so i don't know what the fuck this fruit is i'm in the grocery store so now like thanks to my host benjamin and kat they took me to the grocery store they're like this is that this is this and this is what we do with this and they moved everything around and they showed me a lot of different things and really just made it more of an enjoyable experience for me but again you gotta step outside of whatever norms there may possibly be yeah yeah that's well said yeah. What would you kind of, as someone who is, I guess, a natural traveler, in terms of the travelers you, I don't want to say assume, te- assume people to be, but for someone that's a natural traveler or for that travel comes natural to you, how mm-hmm. would you kind of wrap up like a, a travel mantra that you might have that can help other people that are trying to travel? Well, I would say expect the unexpected uh, because this is what's, what's going to happen when you travel is you're going to find moments where your luggage is in there, <laughs> you get lost. Not only. I don't believe yeah. bags for that reason. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be in a country that you might not understand the language. You, 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 might, you might be in a country where, you know, haggling, right? Bargaining for prices is more normal than all that. And you might be like, oh, I just took the first price. And then you're like, oh, you know, you might... You have to learn. So expect the unexpected. So I always say that expect the unexpected, but have a learner's mindset. Just be open. <laughs> really be open. If you go in there thinking, I'm American, and it has to be an American style, an American way, you're going to be in for a very rude awakening because not the rest of the world doesn't operate the way America does and it's vice versa. So 
you have to have that sense. Yeah. <laughs> because if I, I have so many friends who do this where they think, well, I'm back home. Uh, you know, this, I'm like, you're not back home. This is not, <laughs> you better do some research. <laughs> just open your eyes. Just give the world the same grace that you expect people to give you. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, and so that would be the thing. Because if you go in there open-minded, you're going to have a better experience because you're not going to go in there thinking you're better than other people. Like some people, if they go in there just with a vacation mindset, which is it's always good to check in. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But if they go in there with a vacation mindset where they expect everyone to yeah, serve them from, yeah, from everything, then it's different. You can be in vacation mindset, obviously, and, and still have fun. But if you're expecting the whole, like anyone on the street, anyone you come across to just know, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what, yo, they don't even know where you, <laughs> that, they, that you were there for something for two days. And that's so dangerous because it just colors your whole experience. One of my, one of my friends went to, I was talking to someone who went to Thailand and she was just, she hated the experience because something bad happened the first day. And it was like something that she checked into a hotel and they, they, the hotel didn't look, I, it looked great, but something, but there was something missing. And that was something that she kept harping on. And I was like, yo, you have five more days. What? Like, you, you, I'm sorry they didn't have this, but you can't, this is your birthday. Right? What, 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 you're just going to keep harping on this. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, okay. Let the right. blow dryer go, sis. You'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. And then she was like, I hate Thailand. I was like, you don't. You didn't even give Thailand a chance. How do you hate <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, yeah. that's a good one. Go with the learner's mind. Yeah, have, so expect the unexpected, and yeah, you pair that up with having a, a learner's mindset. But if you expect the unexpected, then you're going to be like, oh, okay. Yeah, you kind of have uh, roll punches. Punches. Yeah. So where can the people find you? At Tyroxin. <laughs> so Tyroxin.com, T-A-Y-O-R-O-C-K-S-O-N.com. If you look at me on Instagram or any social media platform, it's Tyroxin. And then um, hit me up. Yeah. So people can find you. Figure out the culture, the third culture. <laughs> the third culture kid. You can also get this book if you want to know more. There it is. That's what I was waiting for. <laughs> Use your difference to make a difference. That's my mission statement, but it's also the title of my book. And uh, yeah, it's about I connecting on my podcast. Things like books. Things yeah, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, for joining me, I much so appreciate it. Um, guys, there's no new updates. Ain't really shit to update y'all. I'm still in the house. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I'll see you in the next episode. Thank you guys for listening. Um, don't forget that you can watch the video on um YouTube. Trial and shit. Um, blah, blah, blah. That's really it, guys. Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it. Thank you for sitting with me. And um, thank you for talking to the guests. I appreciate your time. And thank you for having me. Corona struggle. Yes. No, I appreciate it. This was really fun. Thank you for having me. I appreciate See, it. It's a conversation. I mean, it's a conversation. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Have a good one. Bye.